Whereas my housemate lives, listens to white noise. Oof. My housemate, my other housemate from Cheltenham listens to brown noise. Who knew that that was a thing? Isn't brown noise the stuff that makes you poo? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it helps you fall asleep. Oh. Do you know? No, I can skip this bit. I cut this bit out. It's fine. <laughs> We're not going to look stupid. <laughs> Hello, my name's Dom. And this is your guide to making it through med school. It's Redwood Ramblings. Hello and welcome to your last Redwood Ramblings of 2023. And today we're covering Parkinson's disease. That's right. This will be the last full episode of Redwood Ramblings before the new year, though there may be some special bits being released over the festive period. I hope by now you've all returned to where you'll be spending your holidays, your Christmas time. And I hope you have a great time. If you get a spare moment and you want to email us any suggestions, Dom Etymology, any suggestions, then email in at redwoodramblings at gmail.com. Let's get on with it. Today I'm here with Dr. Abigail Perrot. Perrot. <laughs> Hello, Abigail. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Yes. What are we covering today, Abby? We are covering Parkinson's disease. So today you've brought along a case and some mm. questions. Yeah. That'd be disastrous if you hadn't brought in some questions, wouldn't it? Should we first of all, Abby, start with your questions? Question one, which symptom of Parkinson's disease has to be present for a diagnosis to be made? Question two, which is the main neurotransmitter associated with Parkinson's disease? Question three, which type of medication is first line for motor symptoms? Question four, which medication can be given as a patch? And question five, what type of tremor is typically seen in Parkinson's? Okay, enthused as always. There's our five questions. Uh, I'm going to introduce you to today's case. So today's case, a 65-year-old gentleman presents to his GP having noticed general increasing slowness over the last year. He's also noticed some changes to his handwriting and has been feeling low in mood. So that's our case. So why don't we open up with the presentation of these patients with the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Some were alluded to there in our case. So Abby, tell us, what are the main symptoms? So the main symptoms, first of all, Bradykinesia, so the generalised slowness of voluntary movement with reduced speed and amplitude of repeated movements. Okay, so bradykinesia, so generalised slowness of voluntary movements that our case presented with. And then if they're rapidly repeating the same movement, it's going to get slower and smaller. Yeah. Okay. So for the diagnosis to be made, you need bradykinesia with then at least one of the following. So rigidity, which is stiffness in the muscle, so hypertonia, which leads to cogwheeling or lead pipe rigidity, you may have heard, which is kind of a constant resistance when passively flexed. Okay, I think a lot of students will experience this, won't they, in ex when they're doing examinations. Yes. So they're looking for on examination. Tremor. So it's a resting tremor and it's typically 
called a pill rolling tremor because it looks like they're kind of rolling a pill between their fingers and that tends to be asymmetrical especially at the start and then postural instability is kind of another one that is thrown in that sometimes people class within the classification system sometimes they don't but it's definitely a um, common symptom that patients get they also get hypokinesia so a decreased ability in completing fine movements such as buttoning buttons yeah that one um lack of facial expression reduced arm swing uh difficulty turning over in bed is quite a classical thing that you'll hear so to clarify alongside bradykinesia we need either hypotonia so rigidity a tremor and or postural instability to be looking at a diagnosis of pd parkinson's disease alongside oh gosh there's more three or more of the following which you probably don't need to know in too much detail but need to be aware of so three or more of unilateral onset rest tremor progressive disorder persistent asymmetry affecting side of onset excellent response to levodopa levodopa response for more than five years and a clinical course of 10 years or more. Goodness me, that is a lot to remember, isn't it? Yeah. So I think they need to be aware of all the symptoms of Parkinson's disease, right? Yeah. Students, you need to be aware. You need, you definitely need to know that you need bradykinesia yeah. and some other symptoms to make the diagnosis. Yes. And then alongside the main symptoms, you get a whole host of things. So just mentioned reduced facial expression so that's hypermimia a slow shuffling gait with freezing generally in doorways they also get dysphagia hypersalivation reduced blink rate blurred vision micrographia so small handwriting and a stooped posture so they're the motor symptoms so then they can also get non-motor symptoms so these can include delusions and hallucinations the main ones you hear about tend to start kind of many years before the motor symptoms and they get REM sleep disorder constipation and olfactory disturbance so a change or a loss to the sense of smell they also get dry eyes restless legs bladder dysfunction and fatigue as the disease progresses right well this is our festive edition of redwood ramblings and why don't we have our first festive feature of today? Yeah, yeah. This right, this right. You know what time it is. You know what time it is. It's time. Time to mix. Time for time to mix. Stop, 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 stop. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not Donomic's mnemonic. It's not. It's not Dom's. Um, it's the students and it's not a mnemonic. It's just something that they can remember things by a song, um, acronyms, anything really. So, yeah, it, we, we need to scrap that. Sorry. That's right. It is time for some sort of mnemonic or something that the students remember something by. And a fantastic submission this week from the wonderful group B in year three, who have recorded 12 Days of Christmas with the theme of pancreatitis. Let's hear it. On the 12th day of Christmas, pancreatitis came to me. 
Swiss having main Reggie's in the back Fever and pointing Never drink again Race is country Not a strange Never end Of the sun For course That's Alex times three Nil by love I need fluids Antibiotics And a therapeutic ERCP just fantastic. Some of the highlights of that included the first day of Christmas being a therapeutic ERCP and um, not quite fitting the syllable count for five gold rings was Amelie's upper limit times three, which was yeah very well done. So thank you for that. So these patients getting these symptoms, and in our case, our gentleman had some increasing slowness over the last year, and he's noticed some changes to his handwriting, which might be suggestive of micrographia, so small handwriting, and he's been feeling low in mood, which is one of the non-motor symptoms. So, Avi, why is all of this happening? Where is it coming from? It sounds like it might be something to do with the brain. It's like you're a doctor, Dom. So... It is associated with the loss of dopaminergic neurons, so neurons involved with dopamine, in the substantia nigra pars compactor, which is found in the basal ganglia. The basal ganglia is involved primarily in movement, hence why you get a lot of motor symptoms. However, dopamine is also used throughout the rest of the body, which is why they then get systemic symptoms as well. They also get the formation of Lewy bodies in the brainstem and cortex and the basal ganglia. And there are other neurotransmitters involved, such as acetylcholine, but you don't need to worry about that as much. So a lot of the dopaminergic neurons are in the basal gang- ganglia, yep. specifically the substantia nigra. Mm-hmm. We lose a lot of these neurons in PD, and that essentially leads to all their symptoms because, as we know, the brain's quite complex. And they've got these dopaminergic neurons have got a lot to do with motor and uh, other facets of people's personality and, and mood and sleep. Yeah. Okay. You need to have lost around 70% of your dopaminergic neurons in the substantia nigra to show Parkinson's disease motor symptoms. I see. Okay. Okay. So hence why you get these those later on. And you talked about getting some pre preluding symptoms which you might not notice and aren't certainly aren't diagnostic of mm. Parkinson's disease. No. Okay, fine. So is there anything else we need to know about diagnosing the disease? So it is primarily a clinical diagnosis using the symptoms we discussed before. So bradycardia with at least one of rigidity, rest and tremor and postural instability. There are some exclusion criteria, so to make sure that you're not diagnosing Parkinson's disease in somebody that has something else. So what does that mean, exclusion criteria? So if they have any of the following, then they can't be diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Okay. So this includes repeated strokes with progressive Parkinsonian features, repeated head injury, encephalitis, sustained remission, Unilateral features after three years, so by that point the symptoms are expected to have progressed to bilateral. A supranuclear gaze palsy, 
because that suggests progressive supranuclear palsy, not Parkinson's disease. Um, early severe autonomic involvement, because that suggests multiple system atrophy. Early severe dementia, because that probably suggests Lewy body dementia instead. And a negative response to large doses of levodopa. So with the exclusion criteria, we're looking at possible other diagnoses yeah. that need to be explored fine we don't want to miss those because some of those diagnoses are going to be made worse with medication they might be made better they might not have any effect at all yeah and probably treated in a very different way to pd yeah and you're supposed to kind of follow people up with pd in a six 12 monthly to ensure that the diagnosis still fits okay so is there any investigations there's no blood tests we can do that are diagnostic for parkinson's or that will point us into that direction there's no scans or anything not particularly so it is a clinical diagnosis you can do some scans if you are unsure of the diagnosis the diagnosis isn't clear cut the main one being the dopamine transporter spect scan so for example if an essential tremor can't be differentiated from parkinsonian tremor then you can do a dat scan so dopamine transporter scan which differentiates the presynaptic dopaminergic syndromes from others because it measures the uptake of presynaptic dopamine transporters. So, Abby, how are we managing these patients? What are we doing? So, because the main issue is a lack of dopamine, we need to find a way to replace that dopamine. I would advise finding a diagram online and having a look how these drugs actually work because they make sense when it's drawn out and that helped me when I was trying to learn them. But anyway, so it depends on whether their motor symptoms are the main thing that's affecting them or their non-motor symptoms. If their motor symptoms are their main issue and it's affecting their daily life, your general first line would be levodopa. So levodopa crosses the blood-brain barrier and is converted into dopamine. However, levodopa is given alongside a dopa decarboxylase inhibitor, which inhibits the synthesis of dopamine outside of the brain. Okay, so we just want dopamine being made in the brain. So levodopa is given with this dopa decarboxylase inhibitor to stop it being made outside the brain yes okay and this is for improving motor symptoms motor symptoms yeah and some examples of them are cinemet and madapur and they're normally written as their um brand names aren't they one of the drugs that yeah. often, because of the timings of these so it's really important that parkinson's disease medications are given at the right time because if medications providing dopamine are stopped abruptly then it puts patients at risk of malignant neuroleptic syndrome which can cause patients to die the symptoms that they tend to get are hyperthermia of more than 38 on two occasions altered mental status increased creatine kinase rigidity and a few other things and you manage it by restarting their uh, dopaminergic medication but it therefore means that their Parkinsonian medications need to be given at the right time. It needs to be the right dose 
and if you're unsure then you need to check with the pharmacist okay so on top of levodopa there are some other options so the issue with levodopa is mainly that it causes it can lead to wearing off so they kind of get these on and off effects depending on when they take their levodopa and it can also have some motor complications so you can also use dopamine agonists such as rapinarol and apomorphine so this mimics dopamine it can also be used as a patch which is called retigotine you get less improvement of the motor symptoms but you get more side effects often used in patients who are young oh no is that what you're gonna say no. uh, carry on <laughs> often used in patients who aren't able to swallow oh the reticotine patches yeah 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 and particularly patients who might be end of life yeah because you don't want them going into neuroleptic malignant syndrome when they're about yeah. No. Yeah. yeah so reticotine patches are quite often used in hospital Dopamine agonists can also be used in younger patients with Parkinson's disease. Because of the motor complications that levodopa can cause um, in young patients, you want to avoid that. So you can use dopamine agonists for a while instead. Another option are monoamine oxidase B inhibitors. So MAOBs, such as risagiline. And this blocks the breakdown of dopamine by monoamine oxidase B in the brain but again causes less improvement in motor symptoms but also fewer side effects so it depends on what the patient is experiencing and what they feel would be of most benefit to them okay so that's our three main medications isn't it so we've got levodopa mm-hmm. which is converted into dopamine in the brain mm-hmm. you've got dopamine agonists which can be used as well and particularly one to mention is retigotine the patch which is quite often used in hospital and as doctors you'll have to get used to converting levodopa into retigotine patch doses and there's a nice calculator online to be able to do that and also monoamine oxidase inhibitors as well yes if patients find that the motor symptoms aren't the main thing affecting their life they can also use dopamine agonists and maob inhibitors okay so that's our main difference between the two between the three yes okay there are a couple of other medications but we're not going to go into it today a side effect to be aware of of dopaminergic therapy is that it increases the risk of impulse control disorder what's that where you become more impulsive the patients might start gambling and spending lots of money and things like that so it's just something to be aware of and they probably need counseling about before you start all right i think it's time we took another little break and find out why a word's called a word. Now, when's that for what? Is it because it's Latin? Why's that word called that word? It's dometymology. Now, I couldn't do a festive episode without mentioning Christmas disease. So many of us know, though I did have to remind myself of the fact, that haemophilia B, which is also known as factor 9 deficiency, was named after the first patient to described as having the condition and no it wasn't santa himself or father christmas but rather a person called stephen christmas and this takes us on to some more interesting medical eponyms and these are terms named after a proper noun and you might be fed up with the many that you come across in medicine because often often eponyms aren't helpful in reminding you of what the condition might be 
So whilst many of these eponyms might be named after real people who may have first described the illness or sign, or indeed the first patient to be described as having the disease, such as Christmas disease, there are some fictional individuals who have had their names assigned to conditions. Many of you may have heard of Pickwickian syndrome, which is a term coined in the 50s to describe the condition. And a character called Joe in Dickens' novel The Pickwick Papers was deemed to share many traits that may be indicative of obesity hyperventilation syndrome, which is what Pickwickian syndrome was first described as. Another eponym that I found interesting is that of the word panic, which could be considered a symptom that's often used by patients, particularly when they're describing possible psychological psychiatric conditions. And this is named after Pan, who was the Greek god of the wild, a Greek god of shepherds and flocks. And it was said that he was a very peaceful god, but... On his accidental awakening, if he was awakened accidentally, he would shout so loud that it would scare all the humans and animals on Earth. And that gave rise to the word panic. Abby, though Parkinson's disease is quite complicated, yes. we've tried to get across all the main points today, haven't we? Yeah. I think you've done a good job. Lots to Parkinson's. Yeah. Our gentleman, our case, would have a full history and examination. Yeah. And whether he fits the criteria for Parkinson's disease, as we mentioned earlier, with bradykinesia and then some of the other symptoms as required, he could be diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. If he isn't able to be diagnosed, then he might go ahead and have a stat spect scan, so a type of CT scan then he might be considered for starting on levodopa now he's talked about his motor symptoms being his main complaint so he'd probably be appropriate to be started on levodopa possibly mm -hmm. and there are some other therapies that may be considered as well yeah it's important to note that actually there are a lot of we've only talked about the pharmacological therapies there are a lot of non-pharmacological therapies used in parkinson's as well okay okay so this is quite a difficult disease to diagnose and obviously junior doctors and obviously our F1s and F2s are not going to be involved in making a diagnosis of these patients. You will be diagnosing and referring patients on from other specialties and liaising with Parkinson's specialists, Parkinson's nurses in increasing medications, ensuring patients are taking their medications timely because that's really important for some of them and ensuring that if they're unable to take their medications so that, that some other route has been found, whether that be NG or using a reticotine patch, for example. I think it's time to visit your questions. Fine, questions. Question one. Which symptom of Parkinson's disease has to be present for a diagnosis to be made? A, tremor, B, bradykinesia, C, postural instability, or D, rigidity? Right, well, I've said this about 20 times. It's definitely bradykinesia. Indeed. Question two. Which is the main neurotransmitter associated with Parkinson's disease? Don't give me don't give me those options. I know the answer. Go on then. No, give me the options. A acetylcholine. B glutamate. C GABA and D dopamine. It's d d d d d d dopamine. It is d-d-d-d-d-dopamine. Three. Which type of medication is first line for motor symptoms? A, Compte inhibitors, B, dopamine agonists, 
C, levodopa, or D, monoamine oxidase B inhibitors? So we didn't mention COMPT inhibitors, COMT, um, but they are sort of an, uh, like further down the line adjuvant therapy, is that right? Yeah. MAOBs and dopamine agonists, we put in the same category, so similar categories. So, And the main one for motor symptoms, from what I remember, is the levodopa. Correctamundo. Question four. Which medication can be given as a patch? Is it A, reticotine, B, rapinirole, C, rosagiline, or D, ranitidine? It is one that begins with R. Exactly. <laughs> um, it is reticotine. It is reticotine, yes. I'm on a roll today. I haven't got one go. wrong. I don't know what to say. Hmm. Question five. What type of tremor is typically seen in Parkinson's disease? Is it A, intention tremor, B, resting pill rolling tremor, C, postural tremor, or D, benign essential tremor? Oh, intention tremor. What's intention tremor found on? Cerebello sign? Yeah. Benign essential tremor is a benign essential tremor. Yeah. Gets better with alcohol. Yeah. And the postural tremor. What's a postural tremor? So it's when you're, for example, holding a newspaper up. Ah. Mm. I hadn't heard of it before when I was looking for types of tremor to add into the question. Okay. So that means the answer is the resting pill rolling tremor. Indeed. You are correct. So I got five out of five today. You did. Might be a first. Might be because you made some easy questions. They were fairly easy questions, yeah. Okay. Well, let's hope they're as easy as that in the MSRA. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Mm, and for the students in their finals. I'm sure they will be. <laughs> <laughs> So I think it's really important that you're able to recognise the symptoms and signs of Parkinson's and know your main side effects of the drugs and know how important it is that you don't just stop any of these medications. Yeah, that's the main thing to know for practice. Definitely. All right then, Abby. We've done it. Success. Parkinson's disease covered briefly. Very briefly. What have you got to say? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Bye. Bye.